Hi, this episode of Stories for Monsters is not sponsored. Instead, I wanted to tell you about Anachronistic, a podcast by my friend Kyle Newbridge and directed by yours truly. Anachronistic follows Neil as he travels the country fixing rifts in time and space, alongside the love of his life, who he knows he'll never end up with. It's a fascinating look at human emotion and decisions, and I hope you enjoy it. Anachronistic is available wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Stories for Monsters finale, episode 12, Treachery. This was extracurricular. Uh, I can't believe you sometimes. Let me see. Be my guest. (sighs) He's hardly recognizable this time. I think he looks better than when I found him. Dad, you can't keep doing this. He... What if Abby finds out? I have no secrets. You're the one who insists on hiding them. Anyway, speaking of Abby, I'm supposed to tell her a bedtime story. Can you at least clean up first? Maybe change? I drew a bath. You think I'll frighten her? I think you'll track all the way through the house if you aren't reminded sometimes. Go. Bath. 
Thank you, daughter. sweetheart. Sorry I kept you waiting. It's okay. Did you find out what happened with Finn and Fia? Of course I did. They bartered with the Suvian sorcerer to get the Eye of Destiny. He was there to deal with a, a necromancer hiding in the veil. Couldn't risk anyone tipping her off early or letting her get the Eye. So the sorcerer told them to trade it with someone at the black market of Dulumen, an errand as payment. They were to free Roland in the process. He was some sort of contact. The strange part is that Roland maintains he knew of no such sorcerer, nor any such plan. No, no, no! What? When you tell it like that, it's boring! Do you want me to try again? No, it's ruined. Good. What? Well, the more interesting part is why Finn and Fia did it, and what followed. Yeah, yeah, they got Grandpa or whatever. But do you know what they did next? No. Well... Hartwin shouldn't tell half-tales. I'll finish this one. At the end of the week, we were scheduled to attempt our first summoning of the old gods. So, 
The night before that, we stayed at the church. By then the staff had rotated. Not at all because they had to, but because that is the way the vampires preferred it. Rajani was still ever-present, but there were others who I didn't recognize among them. Most notably, the most horrid vampire I had ever seen. Most of us are beautiful. We have pure, unblemished skin, lithe muscles capable of superhuman strength and speed. Beyond that, our senses are nigh unmatched. Nothing escapes our gaze. We command respect and obedience. We take what we want. We are feared and admired. This man was none of those things. Oh, he was a vampire. He had to avoid the sun like the rest of us. And he had the fangs to show what he was. But that is all. He commanded no respect nor obedience. His skin was mottled with discolored scars and his muscles barely clung to his feeble frame. Among everyone at the church, this was the one people still sought to avoid, if only for his frightening appearance. Perhaps more shocking was that Rajani kept him around. Regardless of the complaints, he said things like, Roland is a valuable asset. He's the one guiding everyone to the Great Magnolia. <laughs> and he's a great deterrent for prying eyes. And... He has the best knowledge of history, myth, and magic of us all. He can get you there safely, and keep the children entertained. Either with stories, or target practice. The vampires led us safely to the edge of town. And then Roland was assigned to take us the rest of the way. He guided us to the Forest of Fog, where Pin and her armies rested so long ago. We walked toward the center of the wood, the dark mist swallowing each of us as we crossed the threshold into the ancient trees that surrounded the Great Magnolia at its center. At the halfway mark, a cat Gray with long and perfectly kempt fur crossed our path. Everyone stopped. To us children, it seemed like an ordinary house cat. Perhaps a strange sight to see in the middle of the forest of fog, but still nothing special. To the adults and the monster guarding us, this was a gatekeeper who could call death on us all in an instant. It waited a moment, assessing the group of pilgrims, then sat, blocking our way. Roland made no sudden moves, 
Bavari slowly lowered his thin frame into a squat, then equally carefully sat on the ground opposite the guardian. He crossed his legs neatly, placed his hands onto his knees, empty palms toward the heavens, and deliberately blinked. The cat waited and watched us, the seconds full of eternity and silence, as even the crickets held their breaths. It blinked back and then walked into the brush, vanishing as quietly as it had appeared. Roland stood, and from that point we traveled unhindered. Back then, walking through the woods, all I wanted to do was look around to see what I could see. Maybe there would be a deer, or a rare bird, or even another cat. Alas, the journey was completely uneventful. It frustrated Hartwin and me, but we chalked it up to bad luck. It wasn't just bad luck. Everything avoided us, as if we had the cross disease. In the center of the forest of fog, there's great magnolia. Even then it was enormous. You would have needed at least a large town's worth of people to encircle one. Now you would need even more. This one. Its branches stretched up past the canopy and blotted out the sky. It had the most beautiful flowers. The smallest ones were bigger than your head. They... Oh, load isn't the right word. They emanated a deep scarlet. We set up camp. Still, the forest was silent. Maybe no one else noticed. Roland acted as a guard, not a particularly strong or nimble guard. An apex predator, he was not, especially not in such an emaciated state. The elders got to work. They set themselves in intervals around the tree and began hacking into the wood carving out a place for each of us children. If we were blessed, the tree would bestow upon us the power of the old gods. Until then, we were told to wait and sleep. There were no snacks that night. I have never been a heavy sleeper. Most nights, I don't sleep. And so, under the darkness of the new moon, when Roland began his treachery, I... I was the only one to notice. 
as the elders were distracted by their labors. The vampire acted as if he was checking on each of us as we slept. There were seven of us. He started with the one beside me and went around in a circle. I... I would be last. For a man who drinks as rarely as he does, his feeding movements are foreign. Less natural than a true vampire's, and more like a surgeon performing an operation with a marionette. The first child did not wake up. Like this, he moved around our group, one by one, each drink making his frame larger, his steps heavier, his eyes brighter. He seemed as if he'd had his film not halfway through, but he still continued. I don't know if that was because it was his plan, or if he'd just gotten greedy. It didn't matter. He didn't pause. He didn't slow. He just moved on to the next one. Hardwin was the only one who woke up. Maybe Roland moved too quickly, or grabbed him too hard. I heard a whimper behind me, a gasp, and then silence, too. When Roland got to me, he saw that my eyes were open. That was the only time he paused. Covered my mouth with one hand. And he spoke, and I. And I felt. calm. And that's the last I remember before he did it to me, too. That... That was the first time I died. Stories for Monsters is a production of Rhetorical Answers. It is written, directed, produced, and primarily voiced by Fable McDaniel. The voice of Crystal is Saberfly. The voice of Abigail is Tiana Breedenkamp. The voice of Rogeny is Trey Stewart. Original music by Rhetorical Answers. Logo art by Kyle Newbridge. Special thanks to my patrons and a big shout out to Adrian, Cindy, Darian, Jay, Marilyn and Tiana. This would be impossible without your support. Finally, thank you to my players for inspiring me to make such a fantastical world. If you like this and want more information, visit the website at rhetoricalanswers.net. And if you want to help support the show and the music and me making cool new things, 
please check out patreon.com answers. Patrons get free stuff, surprises, early ad-free access, prompts, behind-the-scenes pieces stuff, and their name in the credits. It's loads of fun, but most importantly, patrons are the reason I can even do this at all. And I hope that one day, with enough of you, I'll be able to tackle more ambitious projects and support myself doing this full-time. Thank you for listening and subscribing. I hope you have enjoyed Stories for Monsters as much as I have. And be on the lookout for what happens next. Late. Oh, you're still here? Um, well, yeah, like, uh, listen to Anachronistic and check out my comic that's coming out soon. It's called Mountain of Time, or, or it will be when I'm done making it. Um, go to Patreon. You get to see a, a sneak peek of that, too. All right, lates. <laughs>